Good morning. I'm David Hopkinson, your worship associate today. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeters today are Richard Costello and Sarah Lewis. Our other worship leaders today are, are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, our assistant director of music, Dave Robbins, and today our WUU choir directed by Dr. Jamie Bartlett. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. We invite you to say hello in the chat if you like. And if you'd like to sign up for our email list, uh, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Later in the service, Reverend Laura will let you know how you, about how you can get involved with our Labyrinth Week that starts today. And also how you can join one of our, sm our small Soul Matters groups to connect with other people and go deeper with our monthly congregational themes. Now, we welcome back our virtual WU choir singing Spirit of Life by the white songwriter and activist Carolyn McDade.
Again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here, you are seen here, even if you are joining by phone and we cannot physically see you. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Uh, please, as you say these words, imagine speaking them to each other and know that we are connected across that distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's try to say them in unison, which is always a challenge. Uh, folks on Zoom, we will unmute, unmute all of you so that you can hear each other. All right, let's begin. Uh, come. Whatever your image, your image of the holy, your presence is a gift. Here is a gift. All are worthy. All are welcome. 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 Good morning, everybody. Our call to worship today was inspired by this month's theme of deep listening. We gather today to remember the light within, to know that the hunger we feel inside is not an emptiness, but the echo of an inner wisdom that already knows what we need. May our time together help us welcome that voice and each other back home. And so we worship together. Now, now please you join me in chalice. If you have a chalice or a, or a candle uh, handy nearby in your home, please go ahead and light it now. That's in unison. We light this, this chalice for the warmth of love, the light of action, the action, for the harmony of peace, in our community, and peace in our world. We have a story today. You know, Reverend Laura and I love talking about stories together. And this is one that we are so excited to share with you. And while you're listening to this story, I especially invite you to listen to some of the words um, that the little girl uses to talk about how her body feels when she isn't being a friend to herself. And how is it that you can be a better friend to yourself? And so let the video begin with many, many thanks to our intrepid AV team. Esperanza's tummy fluttered as she practiced her lines on the porch. Today was the class play. Waiting for mama to walk with her to school, she paced back and forth when she spotted a heart-shaped rock. Esperanza picked it up and showed it to Mama as soon as she stepped outside. I see you found a little treasure, said Mama. Esperanza rubbed its rough surface and felt a twinkle of joy. 
Maybe it's a sign. For what? asked Mama. She thought about the class play later that afternoon, wondering what it would finally be like in the spotlight. To put my heart into everything I do, she answered. At that moment, they heard scratching and a soft cry. Esperanza peeked under the stairs and spotted a kitty shaking and shivering. No mama in sight. She scooped the kitten into her lap and cuddled her. She's all alone. I think she's hungry. Esperanza reached for her lunch bag, pinched off a piece of chicken and offered it to the kitty who gobbled it up. Mama, I think the rock is a reminder to spread kindness and love. That's what we do when we listen with our hearts. I think you're on to something, said Mama. Can we keep Cleopatra, please? asked Esperanza, who already named the kitty. Queens are always welcome at our house, said Mama. If she's still here after school, we'll take her in. At school, Esperanza was more focused on the play than on math or reading. Clutching her script during recess, she noticed Bao sitting alone on a bench. He was new in school this week and didn't speak much English. She wondered if he felt lonely or scared. Esperanza found a soccer ball and kicked it over to him. A smile spread across Bao's face. He stood, popped the ball in the air, then bounced it between his knee and his head a few times. Dudes got moves, thought Esperanza. They spent recess giggling and making up hand signals. Afterwards, Esperanza borrowed Miss Owen's English-Vietnamese dictionary. She wrote friend in Vietnamese drew a picture of Bao and her, then put it on his desk. Esperanza rubbed the rock in her pocket. Listening with her heart made her feel peaceful inside. Finally, it was time for the performance. It was too late for Bao to be in the play, but he stood at Miss Owens' side as a stagehand. Excitement bubbled as Esperanza awaited her cue. Esperanza walked on stage, tripped as she was about to say her first line, and splattered across the stage. When she got up, she forgot her lines, so Miss Owens whispered them to her from backstage. Heat rushed through Esperanza's body as all eyes were glued to her. She wished she could disappear. I ruined the play, thought Esperanza, rushing off stage as soon as she finished her part. I'm such a dummy for forgetting my lines. I messed up in front of everyone. She tucked herself in behind some props so no one would see her. Esperanza noticed her body shaking and her face still burning. She took a deep breath and dug the rock out of her pocket. It was cracked and lopsided, just how she felt. Esperanza touched her hand to her heart and felt the disappointment. Bao found Esperanza a few minutes later, 
and handed her a drawing with the word friend written above it. Esperanza nodded. She hadn't been treating herself like a friend. Esperanza realized this wasn't the first time she had been unkind to herself. At the soccer game last weekend, she missed a ball that swooshed by her head and they lost the game. Nice work, a player from the other team yelled as the others laughed. Esperanza thought she let her team down and was the worst soccer player in the world. Thinking those thoughts had made her feel worse. At the curtain call, Esperanza reminded herself she hadn't ruined the play. She'd had an accident, and accidents happen to everyone. Listening with her heart wasn't just about giving kindness and love to others. It was about giving it to herself, too. I can be a friend to myself, thought Esperanza. When Esperanza got home, she focused on her favorite things. She zipped down the hill on her bike, then spent the afternoon painting at the kitchen table. She also got the hug she needed from Mama and some cuddles from Cleopatra. Thanks for that wonderful story. I really enjoyed watching that and I hope that you did too. So now I'm going to invite you to join in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer. And in this season of deep listening, I invite you into a time of listening to yourself and to others. And I'm going to pause for just a moment to pick up someone whose voice wants to be heard. This is my cat Pippin, everybody who just wants to sit on my lap. So. All right, so everybody, kitties included, setting into your seat. Settle in and take a few quiet breaths. And if you want, you can close your eyes. And perhaps you might want to put your hand gently over your heart. And begin to notice how you are right now. Whatever thoughts or emotions or physical sensations come up, there is room for them here. Keep breathing. And I invite you to notice if there is a prayer or a longing rising up in you in this moment. Some of us are holding concerns for loved ones or for ourselves. We are connected to the wider world and we hold so many concerns for our society and for our planet. In our community here today, we especially wanna lift up Nan Hart. Nan recently fractured her wrist and her knee in a fall during a visit to her family in California. She is in good spirits and she's recuperating with her California family. So Nan, we just send you our love today. These and so many other cares and joys 
Teresa Gray as Teresa heals, absolutely. We hold these all. And I invite you now to add your own silent prayers and meditations. So again, we just hold all of these joys and all of these concerns. And in the spirit, we say, Amen and blessed be. Find a stillness, hold a stillness, let the stillness care. from this time of centering, we invite you now to consider how you might be called to act in the world. Throughout the fall, we are hosting a series of From the Heart Reflections by members and friends of the congregation, speaking about their commitment to civic engagement. And today, I am delighted to welcome Phoebe Kent. Thank you, Phoebe. 
Good morning. Two of my heroes died recently, John Robert Lewis in July and the inimitable RBG in September. Lewis was my age when I, a middle-class kid from Iowa, naively entered White's only Duke University in 1959. Lewis was a poor sharecropper's son in rural Alabama, facing daily hard physical work, immutable barriers to education, public accommodations that I had never imagined, but discovered in North Carolina. Separate drinking fountains, really? Our paths forward were totally different. My mom's teaching salary paid for us three kids to attend college. At Duke, all blacks served all white students in dining halls, mowing the grounds, maids on our halls. Lewis's parents earned $1.40 for picking 400 pounds of cotton. 10 people lived in a drafty three-room house no electricity, an outside well, and an outhouse. John rejected the unbridled meanness of his world and look what he accomplished with dignity and inassailable determination to change the world through nonviolent action despite the extreme violence against him. My senior year, several Duke students joined Black North Carolina A&T students in picketing in downtown Durham to be served at the Howard Johnson's. My jail encounter for trespassing was brief but memorable. Unlike Lewis in Nashville on the Freedom Rides in Sel Selma and elsewhere, we faced epithets and threats, but were not beaten by angry white mobs and police. That fall after I graduated, Duke admitted its first black graduate students, notably not living in dorms. I later marched in Cambridge Mass with Martin Luther King Jr. and vehemently opposed the Vietnam War. Marriage and motherhood in Minneapolis turned me into an ardent feminist. We lived in a formerly Jewish neighborhood where blockbusting drove out the whites, making it the blackest precinct in the city then. I served on the Minnesota Human Rights Department's Women's Advisory Committee, worked to get women, Native Americans and blacks into schools, textbooks, started an organization recommending women and minorities for inclusion on boards in metropolitan Minneapolis, St. Paul and joined the League of Women Voters. Jim joined too in 74 when men were finally admitted and remains a member. I appreciated its mission of informed and active participation in government, its careful study of issues to reach consensus before taking a position. Our North Minneapolis unit's membership was diverse, Ojibwe Indians, blacks and whites. Needless to say, after studying the Minneapolis Police Department in 1972, our conclusions were not overwhelmingly positive and diverged sharply from those of other Reed White League units in the city. Sadly, as we know, citizens of color still have issues with the Minneapolis Police Department. 
I fervently believe then and now that the Equal Rights Amendment is a necessary step toward equity for all people. In the 70s, ratification seemed so within reach. Another hero, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a tiny person, but a huge presence, joined the Supreme Court, having pursued an incremental legal strategy toward women and men's equality. Her in incremental approach to bring others along explains in part why I've continued to work through the league despite its past refusal to welcome women of color. Suffragists in the early 1900s turned their backs on Negro women, not wanting to alienate Southern supporters. When the league was formed in February, 1920, Negro women were not allowed to join. The South's Jim Crow laws, poll taxes, literacy tests, acts of violence prevented Negroes from voting. Virginia didn't ratify the 14th and 15th Amendments until 100 years after passage in 1969. However, in 1962, Williamsburg women, both white and black, refused to accept the state league's no to its petition to form a local league. And the state eventually capitulated, making Williamsburg the first integrated Virginia league. Wherever we've lived, I've found the league a source of intelligent, politically savvy friends interested in current issues and in advocating for their adoption at the local, state, and national levels. Today, we're studying Virginia's lack of affordable housing, hoping to expand housing options for low-wage earners and lower the shocking eviction rate. Richmond's is particularly awful. We are a presence at General Assembly, working to remove the photo ID requirement, increase the early voting period, and not require a witness on absentee ballots. We register voters, assist others to become informed, to develop a voting plan and vote early. If any of you haven't voted yet, please make a plan to do so soon. And men and women, consider joining the Nonpartisan League of Women Voters. Thank you. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty, the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. Uh, we do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining us for the first time today, please feel free to, to give if you wish, but also know that your presence is gift enough. Today, our offering will go to support a new program in the area to provide meals for hungry families. Here today to tell us more is our own Helen Hansen. Good morning. You might hear a little Lego action going on behind me because Marielle and I are playing. But good morning. Uh, I'm actually here to ask you to support a new initiative from the Greater Williamsburg Outreach Mission that WUU Social Justice has agreed to join the Motel Mission. WUU Social Justice has volunteered to pay for and deliver meals prepared by Meals on Wheels for 20 families living in the Travel Lodge, America's Inn, and Red Roof Inn on the second Wednesday of every month. 
While COVID-19 restrictions are in place, we will be delivering the meals to the motel door with a friendly wave and a socially distanced hello. We'll need two or three volunteers each month to pick up and deliver the meals. Please contact sjchair at wuu.org for more information about this new initiative to volunteer or to participate. I'll write, the, I'll write that in the chat. Thank you so much for your generosity. We can all work together to show care and compassion for the most vulnerable in our community. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on, quote, give online to wuu, unquote. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to this number, 757-500-0700. Uh, I'll say again, 757-500-0700. Uh, 0688 and follow the prompts from there. Or if you if you if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Our offertory music is by the 20th century Argentine tango composer <coughs> Carlos Gardel collaborating with Alfredo Lepera.
Thanks, Dave. And thank you all for your generosity. So much appreciated. So Parker Palmer, a white Quaker educator and activist, tells the story of the time he got offered a quite prestigious job as the president of a small school. It seemed like the perfect job for him. But before he definitely said yes, he decided that it would be helpful to go through a Quaker spiritual practice called a clearness committee, where you invite a group of trusted friends to help you make a big decision. Their job is to ask open questions and hold the space for you to listen to the answers you give. I want to mention, by the way, we have someone in our congregation, John Marston, who is an expert in leading clearness committees. So I'm glad that John is around. And uh, one day, perhaps he'll be able to do something like that for us if we uh, are interested. So anyway, the story goes, true story, Parker and some friends gathered for this clearness committee. And at one point, one person asked him, Parker, what would you most like about being a president? And Parker recalls, this was an unexpectedly tough question. He answered, well, I wouldn't like giving up my writing. I wouldn't like all the politics. I wouldn't like having to fundraise. I wouldn't like having to wear a suit every day. And his friend called him back to the original question, what would you most like about it? Parker sat and thought, and finally, he says, I felt compelled to give the only honest answer I possessed, an answer that appalled me as I spoke it. I guess what I'd like most is getting my picture in the paper with the word president under it. Parker's friends sat and held the silence while he squirmed inside. Finally, one of his friends asked him, can you think of an easier way to get your picture in the paper? Parker Palmer tells that story in his book, Let Your Life Speak, from which I'd also like to share a short passage that speaks to our theme this month of deep listening. He says, before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. I must listen for the truths and values at the heart of my own identity. Here is a truth that the ego does not want to hear because it threatens the ego's turf. Everyone has a life that is different from the eye of daily consciousness, a life that is trying to live through the eye who is its vessel. Running beneath the surface of the experience I call my life, there is a deeper and truer life waiting to be acknowledged. Parker Palmer. I am completely in love with this idea that there is a deeper life 
under the surface of our everyday life that wants to be heard, that wants to live through us, as Parker says, a life that is trying to live through the I who is its vessel. And I wonder if that speaks to you too. It's not that there's anything wrong with our everyday lives, but do you ever feel that there's something more out there or, or in here if we could just connect to it? Here at WUU, we wanna help you do just that. Part of why this congregation exists is to create spaces, and practices that you can use to connect and reconnect to that deeper life moving in you. And today I want to tell you about some new and ongoing opportunities that you can try right here. And to help me structure that, I'm gonna share an image with you now. Give me just a moment to start the screen share. Here we are. So this is a slide of a graphic called the Tree of Contemplative Practices. Um, it is created by the Center for Contemplative Mind in Society. Oops, I'm sorry, let me go back there. All right, I'm gonna drop this link into the chat for you in just a moment. But basically you'll see that it has several branches of different forms of practice that um, each of us can try, access, rely upon, however seems right to us. I'm gonna stop the share now. And so I can drop the link for that image into the chat. Here you go, if you'd like to download it for yourself. And um, so I'll just talk through some of the practices explored in that tree that can help us develop that deeper life. So the first group that um, the tree has is relational practices. These practices are about small groups where we can listen deeply to our, ourselves and to each other to help each other hear our inner voice more clearly. And here at WUU, I particularly want to highlight our Soul Matters groups. These are wonderful small groups that meet once a month to help you explore our monthly themes and connect to that deeper life in you and in other people. In Soul Matters groups, you do a little bit of spiritual homework, you might say, each month, reading, reflecting, trying a new practice perhaps and seeing how it goes. And then you come together in the monthly meetings with your fellow group members to listen deeply to one another as you share about what you discovered. It's a beautiful way to really get to know other people as you get to know yourself better. And today, this very day, new Soul Matters groups are launching and you are very warmly invited to sign up. I'm going to paste the link to the sign up uh, form in the chat right now. Uh, let me just tag that. Here we go. The link is in the chat right now, and I hope you'll consider signing up. You'll also find that link in the email we sent out this morning. And uh, please note the signups are first come, first serve. So I hope you'll consider it. Another relational practice is spiritual direction, where you meet one-on-one -on -one or with a small group uh, with a spiritual director, someone to help you 
listen to yourself and to the holy, however you understand it. And I want to take a moment to mention that our own Nikki Pete is a trained spiritual director, as am I. Nikki asked me to mention today that she'd be happy to work with WU folks who are interested in spiritual direction. Either of us would be happy to talk with you about that. And I'm going to paste Nikki's and my emails into the Zoom chat now. All right. And I'll also take a moment to mention um, Ben Thacker Gwaltney and Deborah Hill are hoping to lead a small spiritual direction group, uh, perhaps later on this year, um, health permitting and all of that. That would be really great. So let me flash back to the tree of contemplative practices to orient ourselves uh, in just a little bit. I'm going to share that screen again. Here we are. So we've talked about relational practices, and now we come to movement practices, different, um, different practices that we can do with our body to really engage our full, uh, our full self. And one of the practices I really want to lift up today is labyrinth walking, especially because today we are launching something brand new. It's our WU Labyrinth Week starting right now. I'm going to share a slide. Here we go. Um, er, er. Come on, slide. Here we go. Cursor. There we are. Here's a slide of a labyrinth that WU created in the past. This isn't where the current labyrinth is. The current labyrinth is um, set uh, in front of the Parker House, um, just uh, as you come into the gravel parking lot. But this is the sort of, um, this is what it, um, it's going to look like more or less if you choose to go try out the labyrinth. I'm going to stop my share now. Um, so labyrinth walking is, as you might know, an ancient practice where you move slowly through that pattern of loops and circles created on the ground. It's not a maze because there's only one way. You can't get lost. You might choose to walk the labyrinth if you have a big question on your mind or if you are struggling with how to deal with something really difficult or maybe if you just wanna quiet your mind. You walk around and around, holding your question or your problem or your intention, just holding that in your mind and your heart. And when you come to the center, the invitation is to pause and listen deeply to see if an answer comes to you. And then you make your way out slowly and mindfully. So again, we have a newly mown labyrinth on our campus right now. Like I said, it's in the field between the gravel parking lot and the Parker House. I want to say some thank yous to Les Solomon, who mowed the labyrinth, and to Sue Walkley and David Wilcox, who have helped plan this week for us. All this week, the invitation is to come by and walk the labyrinth anytime anytime you want, day or night, all this week, just make sure to mask and distance if you run into anybody else. And then if you want, come join me on Zoom next Sunday, October 25th at 4 p.m. That'll be a gathering uh, to share with other people how your labyrinth journey went. And the details are all in your spiral email. And so I hope you can be part of that and enjoy. So, okay, I'm gonna highlight just a few more opportunities at WUU. 
The next branch of our tree has to do with ritual and ceremonial practices. And you might say, what's that? Well, one of the things, um, one, of, one kind of ritual practice is worship services. So we're actually doing a ritual practice right now. Or, come on, kitty. Sorry, hold on. I know. Ugh, we've got a talky kitty today. I apologize. Or whenever we light a chalice and check in with each other during a meeting, that is also a ritual practice that helps us listen more deeply to ourselves as well as others. Other opportunities are the shamanic journey circle that I help lead once a month or our earth center gatherings like the Samhain celebration coming up at the end of this month. And then when we get to the lower left of our tree, and I will share this with us just once more to kind of reground and what that looks like. Um, here's our screen share. Oh, we're gonna go back to the labyrinth for just a moment. Here's our friendly labyrinth again. And here's our tree. So we've talked about ritual practices. Then we come over to the practices of stillness on the left-hand side. And here I particularly wanna highlight the Williamsburg Buddhist Sangha that offers so many meditation opportunities. I'll stop the share now again, but um, just wanna lift up to you that um, there are several group online meditation sessions each week. Some of them are on our WU calendar, and you can also check out uh, the website of the Williamsburg Buddhist Sangha, which I am going to paste into the chat right now. Here we go. And oh, thanks. I'm just noticing in the chat. Um, yes, all of our Soul Matters groups are meeting entirely online right now. They're totally on Zoom. Um, it's accessible to anybody who has an internet connection. So thanks for highlighting that. Um, thank you. Appreciate that so much. Okay, so we've talked about practices of stillness. There are many. Um, moving up the left side of our tree, we come to a group of practices that they call generative. And this was a tough one. I was like, what's that? But um, reading about what they describe, these are practices of deeply reflecting on a written text or an artwork or even a fellow being in creative ways that invite in more wisdom and more love for ourselves and others. So one example of a generative practice would be the Lexio Divina or sacred reading classes that I've started to offer every month. Just one example, but anything having to do with um, engaging in new ways with that kind of text or artwork that invite new ways of thinking and new inspiration. So I'm gonna share the tree just once more to touch on the last couple of practices I wanna highlight today. So we are now up at the upper left of our tree with creative practices, and then we'll talk a little bit about activist practices. So creative practices, music, journaling, drama, any kind of art form that you create. And, and today I particularly want to lift up our choir and our musicians. It is not easy to make music in these pandemic 
times, but your choir and the folks in the background, like our video editor, Jim Hall, are doing it so beautifully. They are learning new tech skills they never expected to need as musicians, partly for their own sake to help them stay connected to music that feeds their spirit. But even more, they are doing this for us, for the community's sake, so that we too can experience the gifts of music in our congregation. So thank you, choir. Thank you, musicians. And last but never least, practices of activism. As you've already heard today, we have so much going on at WU that you can be a part of. And again, I encourage you to just email sjchair at wu.org if you would like to get connected. And it might seem strange to think about social justice work as a contemplative practice, but I think that many of us could testify that when we are deeply engaged in activism, we feel our work connecting us to others on a very deep level, literally living out the truth that we are all connected. The deep wellspring of my life is also yours. And so the work we do for the well being and liberation of others becomes an offering to the life that we all share. I want to thank you for coming with me on this tour of spiritual practices today that can help you listen to the deeper life in you. Blessings on the gifts that you share with your community and the gifts that are still waiting for you to set them free. Amen and blessed be. And today we'll close with a song led by the Black non-binary vocal activist, Melanie Demore. This is their version of the spiritual, Shine On Me. Hello, you, you fam. I'm gonna sing a song with you called Shine On Me. It's an amazing spiritual that anybody can sing. And in these days when the things that we're dealing with, the feeling separate and all of that, and things seem so hard, this is one of those songs that you just throw your head back, put it in your medicine kit. All you have to do is ask. And here's how it goes. Shine on me, oh, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me, oh, shine on me. Yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Lift me up, lift me up. Let the light from the lighthouse lift me up. Yes, lift me 
Let the light from the lighthouse lift me up. Oh, hold me close. Yes, hold me let the light from the lighthouse hold me close. Yes, hold me close. So hold me close. Let the light from the lighthouse please hold me Oh, shine, shine on me, shine on me, yes, shine on me. Let the light, Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Oh, shine on me, yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine All you have to do is just ask. The light is always there. Always. 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 Now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. And we invite you to blow out your own candle at the same time at home. We will paste the words <clears throat> in the Zoom chat. Again, we will try to say them in unison. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> James. We extinguish this, this flame. flame. Not the light of, the light of truth. The warmth of community. The fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. Our closing words today are by the Reverend Leslie Takahashi, a biracial UU minister serving our congregation in Walnut Creek, California. This is her brief poem, Labyrinth. And as you listen, I invite you to hold out your hands, honoring the community that is here. Walk the maze within your heart. Guide your steps into its questioning curves. This labyrinth is a puzzle leading you deeper into your own truths. Listen in the twists and turns. Listen in the openness within all searching. Listen. A wisdom within you calls to a wisdom beyond you. And in that dialogue lies peace. May it be so.
Amen and blessed be.